try to burn off. Run right to the back of him. Run right to the middle and out the back. What's known in football terms as a slam dunk. Hey, what up? This is Daytime Fireworks, the postseason edition. I guess the first postseason, championship weekend edition of the show. I'm your host, Zach Berry. Joining me as always, Mr. David Brandt of the Associated Press. David, you're back from Mexico City. You uh, survived Thanksgiving. How are we doing this fine Tuesday afternoon? We're doing okay. We're doing all right. Mexico City was a lot of fun. I, I recommend it to... Uh... Anyone, the area of town we stayed in was terrific. The food was awesome. The, you know, you'd walk around, like just explore the city, had a great time. And then holidays, you know, Thanksgiving was good, plenty of good football. And uh, wow, we've got a lot to talk about now. Probably didn't help um, that while you were in Mexico City, I texted you and was like, oh, hey, I, I just thought about you because I'm watching Sicario. Um, that probably didn't help. But, um, <laughs> But uh, this wasn't necessarily that part of Mexico. Yeah, this okay. This was a different part of Mexico. To be fair, um, yeah. So last week was was wild and crazy. There were some awesome games. Uh, I thought the Saturday night slate was kind of dull. The Apple Cup got real fun for about three and a half quarters. Um, right. But uh, but yeah, I mean the the early morning day slate was was pretty pretty wild i mean the clemson south carolina game was a lot of fun um the uh ohio state michigan game was was fantastic it was everything you wanted michigan pulled away late um but yeah i mean at friday night florida florida state was outstanding um yeah there was just good football games yeah yeah i mean Tulane, cincinnati was fun texas baylor uh depending on what kind of you know, self-deprecating, you know, things you want to do. UCLA Cal was a good one. NC State, North Carolina, double overtime. Uh, in in this area of the United States, Arizona, Arizona State was good. Was yeah. A, was what do they, game. what do they call that one? The territorial cup. That's right. Okay. And uh, to me, like I've watched it a couple times. It, like it, it's a, it's a very good rivalry. It's not quite egg bowl level, just as far as, just the you know it's just different in Arizona. There's more pro sports, mm-hmm. so the territorial cup is kind of a niche, a little more of a niche uh, sporting event. Right. But the ones who care about it really, really care about it, and it, it's it's got it's a little bit of nasty to it and everything. So it's a, it's a good rivalry. It was good to see Arizona. Had, I mean, I don't obviously care who wins, but it had been one sided with Arizona State winning, I believe, the last five. So. It was good for Arizona to get on the boy that Missouri Arkansas game was good too. Sorry, I'm all over the place. Yeah, another good one. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Do they? I, I don't. I don't guess they've renamed it. I know that the Oregon Oregon State was referred to as the Civil War, and they do not call it that anymore. Um, here, oh, this is cool. So before it was that, from 1894 to 1928. It was called the Oregon Classic or the State Championship Game. I like that. That's kind of cool. Um, 
1929 to 2020, it was the Civil War. It's not referred to that, uh, not referred um, as that anymore. But that was a fun game. I mean, just a wild one as Oregon State reeled off 21 fourth quarter points and won that one. Yeah, that was I, – I missed that comeback because I thought Oregon had it at hand. I came back, I was like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, um, LSU A&M, all jokes aside, good game. Yeah. Um, props to AM for sacking up one more time. I did not I think I cannot they... believe I did not think it's amazing sometimes what they had one more in them. And all credit to Jimbo for getting those guys up to, to play. Yeah. I mean, it's there's obviously a lot of jokes to be said about Jimbo. They all don't go away right now, but that was a pretty good job of getting a team up and ready to play, considering yeah, just totally just pride they're playing for. I don't even know if you'd call it a letdown spot, but LSU already in the SEC title game. Maybe they were just kind of going through the motions there, even though it's a quote-unquote rivalry game. Um, I mean, they were pretty mediocre throughout this one. Yeah. Um, probably. Just, you know, I think LSU is good, but they're just not that good. You know what I mean? To They can't do the Georgia thing where they sort of sleepwalk through a game and still beat a pretty good team. You know, they just they just can't do that yet. I mean, they may get to the point under Brian Kelly where they will, but, you know, Texas yeah. A&M has plenty of talent, and, you know, LSU didn't play very well. Like you said, I don't know what it was. They looked a little sleepy, and they got they got trucked. Yeah, and then I guess probably the game of the weekend, maybe, because of the implications it has on the Heisman and the playoff race. Um the Southern California Trojans defeat Notre Dame 38-27. I think Caleb Williams has the Heisman Trophy all but sewn up. 18 for 22, yeah. 232 yards, one touchdown. He ran for 35 yards and three more scores. I mean, he was electric in primetime. Yeah, he was really good when it really mattered in an important game. And some of the other contenders, you know, have, have – fallen to the wayside a little bit so i think you know you put all those things together it's it's going to be awfully hard to beat caleb williams at this point yeah notre dame to their credit didn't didn't really uh fade here in this one they made it difficult for the trojans but um hey i know people don't like it and uh maybe not a huge fan of him but what a job by lincoln riley in year one um early in the year i know there were a lot of questions about their defense and could they stop the run were they going to be able to win the big game? And I thought Caleb Williams early in the year kind of looked a little shaky. Um, he wasn't as dynamic as he was in this one, but I mean, just a phenomenal win. They're uh, now set to go to the Pac-12 title game. We will get to that in the third segment when we give our picks for championship weekend. But first, we got to talk about the the obvious elephant in the room. Uh, no pun intended there, but... Lane Kiffin decides to spurn Auburn, stay at Ole Miss. Just first things first, I mean, how big is this for Ole Miss as a program uh, in the SEC to keep their coach from a seemingly, you know, I guess, I don't know. I think they're pretty close to even at this point, but just perceived as a better program in Auburn. Well, I think it's huge. And and like you said, I, I think most people from the outside looking in would say, that Auburn still maybe the gap has narrowed a little bit over the years, but that Auburn is still, generally speaking, a better job than Ole Miss. But I, I think that me and you and a lot of the fans understand the dynamics, the boosters, 
and can certainly make some arguments about why Ole Miss would be the better job, or at least even at this point. And I think that we can sit here and pontificate all day about that, but until it actually happens, when an Ole Miss coach looks at Auburn, they want him, and he goes, nah, yeah, I, I, I don't want to do that. I'm good where I'm at. Um, until that happens, it's all just theory. But it actually happened, and I think it's good for Ole Miss, and I think it's good for Lane Kiffin, too. I, I really do think – I don't think it was the biggest factor in this one and four kind of fall off at the end of the season. But I think that rightfully, probably the players were a little worried that Lane was leaving. I mean, Lane has – kind of has a reputation through his career of leaving places and going and, and being kind of a nomad and moving back and forth. And so now, you know, when, when he says, Hey, I'm staying or, Hey, I, you know, I'm not looking at other jobs. There's a little bit at least now of credence to what he's saying because he actually did turn down a big time job. So I think it's big for Ole Miss. I think it's big for Lane Kiffin. I think there's obviously work to be done in that program, but I think, what Lane has done in these two or three years to get that program on good footing. You know, I, I just think he's in a good spot and I, I totally understand why he decided Auburn wasn't for him. And it's just interesting to see a coach actually kind of sort of agree with us for once. Right. And I think, I think at the end of the day, it was the family aspect of it, which is wild to say about Lane Kiffin. And I think shows, his growth as a person, as a football coach. But I think that the pull of keeping his kids in one spot for the first time in a long time. And I think that that was a, was a huge role, had a huge role in this, but I also just think, I, I don't know. I don't know where you stand on this. I was talking with our very own Ben Garrett earlier and I never thought he was going to take the Auburn job. I think he absolutely had interest. He was very close to considering leaving but I think that it didn't really make a lot of sense for him to create this this buzz and this momentum to get NIL going at Ole Miss and for them to raise close to you know five, six million dollars in a week and they get over the ten million dollar mark and they have got this, you know, just stash of money ready to go for the portal and for you know recruiting and all that. And I I don't really get why he would do all that because I do think that that was all strategic. I, I do think the hey y'all leak my name out there for this Auburn job and and let's let's start getting that going to where almost people were frantically like okay we need to fix this we need to get NIL things going and and get this ready. Um, it just didn't make a lot of sense for him to do all that and then leave for a rival in the same division. Yeah, I mean, I just like we we've talked about for weeks now on the show from a football standpoint. I mean, you've already built old. You'd have to do the same thing. You'd just be like reversing what you've all this hard work you've put in for two years at a program that's maybe has a little bit more financial resources, but it's arguably harder to win there just because of, you know, the, the geography mm -hmm. of the situation. And then you've got, you know, it's 2022, the year of our Lord, and we're still talking about the Auburn boosters. You know what I mean? And how tough of a dynamic that is. And I know there's boosters in every school, but the Auburn boosters are legendary and they continue to be legendary for how, you know, much, and, and this, you know, part of it may be an urban legend, but it sure does seem like they meddle a lot and it's just a difficult place to have any sort of stasis. And I, I think you've got to be a special kind of coach to put all that tornado behind you. And I'm not sure Hugh Freeze is that guy, but 
we'll we'll get to that later. But there's just an awful lot of drama going. I think that Lane Kiffin, you know, if you were sitting there with a checklist and you were mm-hmm. like, okay, my boss, I like my boss at Ole Miss. I don't know that, you know, Cohen, I don't know, but, you know, sort of the devil you know is better than you know. And then you you talk about capacity to win. You talk about NAIL stuff. All these boxes are checked on the Ole Miss side. And sure, you can maybe check them on the Auburn side, but I, I think it shows maturity that for family reasons or for whatever reasons, Lane looked at it was like, I you know, I don't know if the grass is greener over there and just decided to stick around at Ole Miss. So I think it's great for Ole Miss. I, I do think there's a handful of jobs still that Lane, you know, not this year, but eventually could leave for. But I, I think well, Ole Miss fans should be feel good about what they've built and they should because yeah. it's it's a good program now. Well, I, I look, I, I wasn't, you know, Ben and, and, and Chuck Roundsville, the Ole Miss spirit, uh, did an outstanding job covering this, but I didn't, I didn't dip my toe in it at all, but I did post that I was hearing rumors that I had pretty well sourced close to people in the room, you know, quote unquote, that, that he was not going to leave. And this was all just a leverage play and to, you know, solidify his position with Ole Miss and to get that extension. Because I I do think at the end of the day, regardless of what people think, I do believe that Lane Kiffin likes being at Ole Miss. He likes where he's at. I think he has a great relationship with Keith Carter, a great working relationship where there's a lot of give and take and and he can kind of do what he wants to a certain extent. And they give him a lot of, you know, the, the, the leash is pretty long and you're not getting that at Auburn. I mean, you mentioned the booster network and how they're so hands-on and I think to a fault, but he's definitely not going to trade in what he has at Ole Miss, which is essentially, you know, you're the king of the castle, you know, and, and you're going to go to Auburn and you're going to have to do the touchdown club meetings. So you're going to have to go to the country club and, and, you know, do all of that. And like, that's just not what Lane Kiffin does. And I think that the comfortability he has at Ole Miss and just the, you know, he is, he has a daughter that's going to go to Ole Miss um, next year. And, you know, there's a lot of rumors out there that, that Knox is, is going to move to Oxford and will go to school in Oxford. And, and I think that, at the end of the day, he just kind of felt that it was the better spot for him and his family for him to stay there and to continue to build what he's already built. Cause like you said, you're going to go to Auburn. It's just another rebuild. And you just did that. So like, you know, how many years literally and figuratively is that going to take off of your life to do it again? And I just, and talking about other jobs, I, I've said that for the long, during the two, three week, you know, dance that this was, I think Lane Kiffin wants to be the next head coach at Alabama when Nick Saban retires. And oh, I don't Oh yeah, we've talked about this a couple times and I think that was to be the smartest thing, you know, you brought up cuz I really didn't think about that. But yeah, you can't get the Alabama job if you're the Auburn coach. That's not going to happen. So Exactly. And and he's got, you know, I mean unless something really weird happens, I think Saban's got another 3 or 4 at least years left in him. Um so, I mean, if you're Lane Kiffin, you build what you've got at Ole Miss into what you want. And then, you know, if I'll, you, you cross that bridge when you come to it. But I think he mm-hmm. certainly wanted to leave that door open. Yeah, and they're, they're not going to hire an Auburn coach. I don't care how many playoff appearances you have. I don't care how many, you know, West Division titles or trips to Atlanta or SEC titles. They're not going to care. 
It's just not going to happen. And I don't think he wants to risk losing that because I do think that's the job that he holds in the highest regard. So ultimately, I think that it was a combination of what was best for his family and for his kids, the, you know, everything he has at Ole Miss right now. I mean, I know that it was, it was kind of funny and, you know, there's some, some nuance, some context to this, but it, I think it's a, it's, you mentioned the year 2022 of our Lord and how Ole Miss fans are just furious at finishing eight and four. I mean, think of that. Think of how wild that is. I mean, just what, 10, 11 years removed from going two and 10. And now people are just livid at eight and four. And I know the way the season ended, you know, that's where the context and the nuance comes in. But I mean, that's just the, the expectations have been lifted. I mean, that's what, you know, the Lane Kiffin effect. I mean, they, they win 10 games in the regular season for the first time in school history. And then you go eight and four and people are just pissed. Um, so, I mean, I well, think I mean, that, you just, you look at the West right now and Alabama's Alabama, Brian Kelly's got things rolling at LSU. You like them, but Lane Kiffin's right there. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that, you know, as far as dominance in the West, you know, I think Saban's really looking at Brian Kelly and, uh, and Lane Kiffin, and not as much even now at Jimbo Fisher. I mean, you know, Auburn right. with Hugh Freeze or without Hugh Freeze, they're probably a year or two away from seriously competing. And then, you know, Arkansas, they've kind of taken a step back and different things like that. Mississippi State, I think, with Leach, that was a great win in the Egg Bowl, one that he really needed. Um, and I think that Mississippi State is always going to be kind of an interesting problem in the West as long as Leach is there just because they're – they're just hard to prepare for. They're going to win their share of games, but it, it's just, it's shaping up to be a really fascinating division. And like I said, outside of Alabama and you could argue LSU, I think Ole Miss is in as good a position as anybody. All right. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we'll, we'll dive into the Auburn job and Hugh Freeze getting it and what that means for the West, what that means for Hugh Freeze and how it affects Ole Miss. So hang tight. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Lamar Yard, Oxford's indoor-outdoor restaurant, bar, and entertainment space on South Lamar. They now have an updated menu with non-barbecue options from Tex-Mex to Mississippi Delta catfish to smash burgers. And you can contact Lamar Yard for your private events for the spring and summer. They have a dedicated event coordinator who will help you plan your event from start to finish, and they offer on-site catering. Weddings to Greek parties or corporate events, Lamar Yard is the perfect place to host your next party. Lamar Yard is Oxford's quintessential family and pet friendly venue, and they look forward to hosting you soon. Check them out at lamaryard.com. And if you want a place for clever dishes and captivating cocktails, look no further than So Wild in South Lamar. Chef Erica and her committed team of food and beverage enthusiasts are bringing top notch cuisine and libations to you six days a week. Whether it's happy hour three to six, fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two for one Moscow mules, all of that and more, the best and brightest in house or via curbside pickup. Check them out, solaoxford.com or call them at 662 238 3500 and place your order today. The show also brought to you by Memphis restauranteur Kelly English and his restaurant group in Memphis, Tennessee. The renowned chef and his team are offering nationwide shipping and virtual cooking classes with Cooking with Kelly. You can learn more about the nationwide shipping at irisetc.com and you can also book a virtual cooking class online at table22.com slash iris. Kelly English Restaurant Group in Memphis, Second Line Restaurant Iris and the Magnolia House down on the coast in Biloxi. The show is also brought to you by Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Get on over 
see Cody Allen and the rest of the crew take on their challenge of the wide plush Zoiza fairways and large championship Bermuda greens. They've got two putting greens to hone in your game with the flat stick, the driving range, and a chipping green to tighten up that short game. Book a tee time online at olivebranchgolf.com or give them a call at 662-893-4444. All right, David, it was uh, it was pretty touch and go for a little bit once Kiffin told Auburn no. And then I, I joked with some some Tennessee fans here uh, locally that Hugh Freeze might have gotten Greg Schiano'd over the weekend because once his name started popping up, there were a lot of <laughs> a lot of backlash from, you know, national media, Auburn media. I mean, people were not happy and did not want it to happen. And then on top of that, Liberty loses their third straight game. Um they got waxed by New Mexico State. Um, that was kind of, for me, the optics of that. I mean, losing to UConn, Virginia Tech, and New Mexico State to end your regular season was just wild. And then to turn around and Auburn hires him. Um, I, it, I'll, I'll let you say your piece, and then I'll give mine. But what, what were your initial thoughts when you heard that it it was, in fact, Hugh Freeze landing in the Plains? Oh, man, I just – <laughs> I mean, I, there's just a lot of things that you think about. I, I, I think Hugh Freeze is a pretty good football coach. I think it, at this point, it's pretty obvious he can coach offensive football. He has a way of motivating. He works hard. He can build a program. There's a lot of things, but but I just can't. the The number one thing I thought of was I just don't think that's a very good fit. I mean, I, I do think Hugh Freeze maybe at, at a SEC school with a little less, you know, of a spotlight, the baggage, the boosters, it just feels like oil and water to me. I mean, I, like I said, this is, and it's not a knock at, at Hugh Freeze, the head coach, just as far as, you know, X's and O's and even recruiting. I think he can do those things. I just, you know, I saw that report about his, his social media and everything and, you know, I, I think that would be a good first step not to be running with that. Cause I just, I've said this about Hugh Freeze many times. I have never seen a coach at that high of a level sweat the small stuff as much as he did. Like there was always a brush fire, always a crisis. He was always upset about something that at the end of the day really shouldn't have mattered that much. And I just, you, you think that was bad at Ole Miss. It's going to get even worse at Auburn. You know, I mean, there's going to be brush fires every day to put out. And I just don't, you know, I, I think he did do some growing up and some soul searching during some time at Liberty. And obviously, you know, his name was was dragged through the mud, rightfully, wrongfully, you know, whatever you want to say about that. So we'll see how much he's grown, because I, I just think the the Hugh Freeze that existed six or seven years ago at Ole Miss is totally going to implode at Auburn. Now, if he's changed and can let some of this stuff you know, roll off his back a little bit, then maybe it'll work. Cause I think they'll win games. I think they'll be, you know, an entertaining product. I just, I just don't know if they can win at the level that Auburn's going to want him to win at. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I think I'll disagree with you there. I think he's a great cultural fit at Auburn because he's a yes man. He's going to do all the things that I said Lane Kiffin wouldn't do. He's going to go to all the meetings. He's going to sit down with boosters and he's going to go play golf with, you know, 
the bag men and the NIL people. And he's, he's going to do all that. He He's going to politic. He's going to press the flesh. He's going to get out there. He's going to get on the pulpit and do his, his stick that he does. And I think that that's exactly what Auburn wants. Um, on the football field, I do think that he is a good football coach, but the caveat is that what kind of staff is he going to put together? Is he going to be able to put together an SEC West staff that can compete? I think that was a big issue for him at Ole Miss. He really benefited from having someone like Dave Womack um, coaching his defense, and he had a couple flashes in the pan with some staffers. He had some off-the-field guys that were really good, like a like a – like Barney was was phenomenal and was great oh, for sure. him to recruit. Um, how's he going to do at Auburn? I mean, I know he he retained Cadillac, which I think he probably had to. I don't think there was any question there. I think that right that was part that of the deal. I think had to have been. Um, but man, I mean, you think about how he ended his career at Ole Miss. Not just the off the field, the NCAA stuff, but I mean, this is a guy that at one point lost to Vanderbilt by 21 and Mississippi state by 35 and went five and seven the year that, that everything went down. I know Chad Kelly got hurt, but that was a bad football team probably sticks around in 2017 and probably goes four and eight, five and seven at the best. I think at that point he might've gotten fired. So, I mean, Florida even looked into him in 2014, but then they were kind of hung up on all of his, his extracurriculars and it didn't end up happening. Um, so that's kind of my thing with, with Hugh Freeze is not only – I mean, I know he can call plays. I know he's a good football coach, but has he learned anything in terms of how to recruit defensive players and, you know, how to just kind of stick with what works and not get cute in, in you know, in the red zone and doing the wide receiver passes and the double flea flickers and all of that. I mean, is he going to still try to do that at Auburn or is he going to try to – you know, actually run an offense that is a power five worthy offense and not just some gimmick. Um, I, I do think this is, this is crazy. I, I was talking with some friends and, and I don't know if you even heard this or realized it, but talking about Auburn being this top 10 job and this destination for, for coaches, this is the last seven hires for, for Auburn. This is where the, the program that the coach came from that they hired. Wyoming, Samford, Ole Miss, Iowa State, Arkansas State, Boise State, and Liberty. And then that's a murderer's row right there. <laughs> ironically enough, Hugh Freeze has been at three different places on that list. <laughs> Arkansas State, Liberty, and Ole Miss. And then and furthermore, this is their third consecutive coach that they've hired that has spent time in Jonesboro, which is just wild. I mean, anytime you can spend a little time in Jonesboro, I've, I've spent man, I've on. spent some days there. You know, it it can be tough for some coaches because it's a dry county. So Jones Boogie, right. um, you got to get a little creative. Um, well, you you could didn't they have like the membership cards or whatever? Like at Chili's, you just had to you had to get uh, your membership card. <laughs> they had they had some really weird rules around there. I do remember. Yeah. That. I have family that lives in, in Jonesboro and they've, they've told me there are, there are a couple spots in town where you can go, but you pretty much have to, you know, drive 10 minutes outside the County to, to go get it. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that Hugh freeze is going to have some success. He's going to, he's going to get some things rolling with his offense. He's going to probably get some good players, 
But then if he hasn't learned anything, if he hasn't learned to adapt and to, you know, hire capable staffers and not just, you know, yes men that he's worked with before, I think you're going to see him run into the same issues. Um, that's just my opinion. And, and I don't think it's too crazy to say that this isn't some, you know, sour grapes, old miss podcast. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think that he has not shown that he has grown at all. Yeah. I mean, like, and I agree with you to a point you, you do make sense when he will win this off season. Like he will go golfing. He will do all that stuff. He's perfect for that. I do agree with that sort of, it's just with Auburn, the reason why I don't think he's a great cultural fit is, and maybe culture is not the right word, but you know how it is with Auburn. There's always stuff happening. There's always extracurriculars. There's always Mm -hmm. some rumor, some story. That's just part of, you know, I I think, and sometimes you get a low key guy that's perfect. Like you were Eli Manning was quarterback in New York for like two decades and just because of his low key personality, he was able to kind of just deflect all that stuff, but it all sort of bounced off of him. And I think Auburn needs a coach like that. That's just sort of, you know, can, you know, all these things happen and he's just like Teflon. It all bounces off and he just concentrates on football. Like Hugh Freeze is many things, but he's not Teflon, man. He, 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 and it, it's what makes him likable and human. He is a very, I think, especially for a pretty big time college football coach now, obviously he's, when you talk to him, he's for better or for worse, he's Hugh Freeze and he's vulnerable. Like, I I don't know. There's reasons why he's likable, but I just don't, I I just can't see him hanging with the chaos at Auburn. Like he'll win this off season. Like I said, he'll go, the the boosters will love him, all that stuff. But you know, when times get tough, he's going to win the press conference. Right. He'll win the press conference. And, and, and I think like you said, with the boosters and all that stuff, he will be, there's a lot that they're going to like about him, but I just, you know, when things get tough, is he going to get super defensive again and whine and point fingers like he always did? Like, I don't know. I just, and, and it's not like, you know, when Lane Kiffin went to Ole Miss, I was optimistic because Lane Kiffin was a very young coach at some of his other places. Um, and you could argue that he grew up into what he is now at Ole Miss. Like, you know, Hugh Freeze is a grown-ass man. He's been one for a while now. You know what I mean? I just don't see a lot of changing going on. Um, I, I think he is what he is. I I do think if whether he is surrendering his social media or somebody else is doing it for him, like whatever it is, I think that's a step in the right direction. But I just – I don't think – I, I just think the job is going to kind of overwhelm him mm-hmm. eventually. And and I think it has a lot yeah. of people. I mean, you could argue that happened to Brian Harson too. Well, yeah. I mean, look, we've talked about it on this show over the past couple of weeks. You can go 10 and two at Auburn. And if you lose to Georgia and Alabama, they're going to hate you. And you throw in games against Ole Miss, who now has Lane Kiffin and is a much more formidable opponent than they were in years past. You know, Auburn has owned the rivalry um over the years and you also play LSU that's a big rivalry game and they've got Brian Kelly now they seemingly have it rolling and you know I I made the joke um earlier today but you know the the full Hugh Freeze experience would be to beat Alabama Georgia and LSU and then lose to a six-win Troy team and (laughs) yeah or just somebody you know get stomped by Texas A&M on the road 
you know, after yeah. you do all that or something like that. And look, all jokes aside, I, I mean, Troy is not some pushover anymore. I mean, John Summer no, has Troy's got them rolling. Had they're a really solid team. You know, they're, they, they they're always, 10 and two. I, yeah. They were, well, they, Troy is, you know, a big reason them in South Alabama, just to get off on a tangent. That's why I think Southern Miss has struggled over the last several years. Cause for, you know, a solid couple decades, Southern Miss was that if you weren't going to go to the SEC, Southern Miss was that solid second tier option, you know, where you got really good, like sometimes borderline SEC caliber players. And now Troy is going to go out of them or South Alabama or Tulane or they're, they're, Southern Miss is just fighting with a lot of other schools for that pie. Louisiana Tech yeah. has been better lately and stuff like that. And I just don't think they're so anyway, I that mean, was off on a tangent. But yeah, Troy gets players. That's a good program when you got a good coach. Well, yeah, I mean, look, they're a crazy, you know, Hail Mary away from being 11 and one and having a chance to win 12 games if they beat Coastal in the Sunbelt title game. Right. I mean, they lost to Ole Miss in the opener. And then, you know, you and lose. that was to... a decent game. Like, everybody was kind of, you know, weird on Ole Miss. Oh, yeah. Troy was just a solid football team. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's a that's a, a good 18-point win in your opener against right. a yeah. – uh... Looking back on that, that was a nice <laughs> win. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I mean, their season, I mean, they, they reeled off one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine in a row. I mean, they finished – beating ULM 34-16 and Arkansas State 48-19, and now they host Coastal for the Sunbelt title game. So they could go 11-1, and and I mean, it, I don't know what bowl game they'll go to. It doesn't matter, but I mean, all jokes aside, I mean, I, I don't know if Auburn is going to schedule them, but I mean, that's a problem if you do. But the point is, I mean, Auburn, that was kind of what I always leaned on when comparing Auburn and Ole Miss was that Ole Miss – you know, they they don't play Georgia every year. Now, they'll play them next year, but that's the first time in, what, five uh, or six years, seven years. And right. at Auburn, you got to play that behemoth every single season, and they are expecting you to beat them, um, whether that's realistic or not. So you got to do that. You got to compete against the greatest coach in the history of the sport, who you're also recruiting against in your own state. I mean, it's just, a, in my opinion, it's, a, it's just a recipe for disaster if you don't find the right guy that fits and can be able to maneuver around these humongous obstacles that are just unavoidable. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at Auburn's uh, schedule next year. They got New Mexico State, too. So you better win that game. You might be <laughs> able to lose it if you're at Liberty, but they do have. Like their their non conference is pretty soft. They should be okay. They got UMass, California, Samford, and then New Mexico State. If you can't win those four games, you probably aren't going to stay long at Auburn. Yeah. Ugh. So it, regardless, it's going to be fun to watch. Either it's a train wreck or it's going to be, you know, some kind of fireworks. Um, I mean, but... I would I would be surprised. Yeah, daytime, nighttime. What kind of fireworks? All <laughs> all day fireworks. Twenty four hour fireworks. Um. Yeah, I, I actually think that he, especially because Auburn is in a rough spot right now, kind of, like you said, I thought Cadillac did a nice job, uh, you know, kind of study, at least making them competitive. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Hugh Freeze has a year or two where Auburn improves and things get better. I just, again, like, and there, there was always a lot of stuff going around all this, you know, the, 
And I still can't get over that he used his university phone for all Ugh. those. I mean, the whole thing was just the, the mean, lack of judgment, the you? lack of like, <laughs> yeah, what do you mean I can't do that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I just, he's going to have to have done a lot of growing up in the last five or six years or, or just, you know, kind of approaching an SEC job. I, I think before an old miss, he sometimes, you know, like with the Twitter thing where he's like, if you think, you know, don't slander these kids, you know, email, whatever, compliance at oldmiss.edu. Like he thought he could personally like change and stop every problem. You know, if he just used his personal charm and as we know, like it, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you got to let some of that stuff slide off your back and let it go and i just don't know if he's there yet but we'll say like it's going to be fascinating it, it is absolutely fascinating and it is amazing yeah. that Auburn, that's the word for it <clears throat> yeah because i mean from a hugh freeze perspective it's a no-brainer to take that job he wants back in it's a great opportunity for hugh freeze so i'm like happy for him on an individual level it's more of like auburn it's like you really think that's a good idea? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I, I do think there's some positives there, but you couldn't go out and get anyone else. Like, like I think right. somebody like, honestly, you know, Nebraska gets Matt Rule. Like, I think that would have made a lot more sense at an Auburn type place just because he kind of keeps his head down. He's dealt with chaos before at Baylor, obviously. Right. And yeah. handled it, handled it really, really well. And it's a different type of chaos at Auburn, but I, I just think that somebody like that, more of a personality of maybe keeping your head down a little bit might have been a better fit, but we'll see. It's it's better for us because we get to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to give you our picks for uh, championship weekend. We'll run through it. And uh, I don't know if we'll do all the championship games, but we'll uh, we'll hit the big ones. So hang tight. We'll be right back. Podcast brought to you by Protection Unlimited Incorporated, the Mid-South's leader in commercial and residential alarm security. Wayne Lowry and his team have been serving the greater Memphis area and North Mississippi for 50 plus years and would love to get your business and or family protected today. They offer cutting edge security for your home or business with video surveillance options and they're monitoring 24 7 365. You can reach them via phone at 901-754-6510 or email them at info at protectionunlimited.com. Podcast also comes to you thanks to Bluff City Advisory Group, Memphis's leading team of finance professionals. They can provide advanced assistance with financial planning, pension and qualified plan support, and business and estate planning strategies. Former Ole Miss Rebel and founding partner Ben Still, along with his elite level customer service team, make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs. Learn more about them at bluffcityadvisory.com. Podcast brought to you by the Barry Home Team. You're ready to sell and make the most net profit from your home. Call Stacy and Rick Berry today. They will lead you through the process from property assessment, repairs, staging, and putting that sold sign in your yard. Both have earned the multi-million dollar club member status, and they would love to assist you today in your real estate ventures. Call them 901-481-6420 or 901-461-6421. After you have talked to the Berry Home Team, you can talk to Saddle Creek Title, another proud sponsor of the show. They're the Mid-South's leader in client-focused, innovative closing solutions. Neil Hanna and his team are more than just a real estate closing firm. They are dedicated to going the distance to ensure the ease and growth of your real estate business. 
Find more information at saddlecreektitle.com or call them 901-753-1600. Show brought to you by Davis McCord State Farm. If you're looking for good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than Davis and his team. They are your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around, give Davis a call. He is ready to help. 901-755-6110 and get your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark, and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. And PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone. From pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head. And PXG has nailed the fitted breathable. And my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com TOC, code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. PXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season. And concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen light it up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tacova store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an Ole Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. And we are back. Daytime Fireworks final segment here. Championship weekend. 
All right, David, let's get it going. Friday night, 7 p.m., Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. You have got Utah taking on Southern Cal. Um, rematch. Utah beat them by one point earlier. That's going to be a barn burner. That's a, That could be a really good game. It was a phenomenal game. Kyle Whittingham and the Utes opt to go for two. Um, it was a just a – Probably one of the coolest things that I've ever seen recently in college football. It was an emotional night for Utah. They were honoring their their two former teammates that unfortunately passed away, and it was just like the it was like a movie. I mean, went for two to win it at the end, got it done. I mean, you had like Utah players that were just you know inconsolable in tears, and Cam Rising, you know everything that he had been through, and I mean, just beating the Trojans at home on that night, it, it was it was awesome. Um, man, I I feel like the Trojans are just kind of on a roll here, and they're just kind of on a mission to get to the playoff, and Caleb Williams is the Heisman frontrunner at this point. Um, I like the Trojans in this one, but I do think it's going to be a rock fight, and I think Utah is going to make it extremely difficult on the Trojans, but the number is three right now. Utah is getting three. Um, man, I, I lean for, for SC to cover here, but I think it's going to be something like a, like a 30 to 24 win. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Um, I think Utah is a, is a good enough football program. They, they take pride in their defense and they're really good up front. I think they're going to get after Caleb Williams like they did in that earlier game. And, I think it's a close SC win. I think Utah wins that game for Ooh. a couple of reasons. And what, yeah, I mean, I, you living out here a few years, it's, it's hard to discount how the PAC 12 can step on its own feet when trying to get into the playoff, get, you know, a team, they beat each other up so much. And I just think that this is the kind of game that, that Utah is built for. I, I, I'm a little worried about SC's defense, gave up 27 to Notre Dame, gave up 45 to UCLA, gave up 37 to Arizona, gave up 35 to Cal, gave up 17 to Colorado. I'm throwing that out because Colorado didn't even have a functioning really coaching staff. But USC's defense doesn't excite me that much. I do. Caleb Williams is awesome. And I, I do think Utah will at least make things fairly difficult on him. And I think Utah is going to win. Yeah. Like 31, 23, something like that. I think they'll win by a touchdown. I, I think Utah's going to win. Wow. Okay. And again, I don't think that would be crazy um, at all just because Kyle Whittingham is a phenomenal coach. Um, and Utah's a good team too. I just think they're built for, games like this and yeah I, think, I mean uh, you've... but I, it, it is really fascinating the Lincoln Riley versus Kyle Whittingham in a rematch situation you know that's this yeah. some high level coaching is going on right now is what I'm talking about oh like, yeah those are, it'll that's two that's two really good college football coaches that have seen each other played a tight game coming back for round two yeah sign me up for that this is going to be a good game and I, I just think Utah is going to get the best of them this time yeah, I will be I'll be in Chattanooga on Thursday to uh cover the uh Tennessee Division 2 AAA title game. Um 
between NBA and Baylor. There are two Ole Miss commits that'll be in that one. I'll be there, Ooh, but I that'll be a I good game. It will be. It's rematch. the The regular season game was was much like that Utah USC game. Not as close, but it was a phenomenal game to see in person, and it was a it was a hell of a matchup. I uh, I anticipate another one. Um, but I will be getting in my car on Friday morning and heading back to Nashville to get back in time for this this Pac-12 title game. So I think it's going to be a doozy. Um, next one, Kinda Kansas. Off track, and, off track again. I have covered many things in my life, like the NBA Finals, the Olympics. I'm going to get to do the Super Bowl this year. I've got to do a lot of fun stuff. A really good high-level prep football game, like a ch- you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's still nothing quite like it. I, I enjoy, I really enjoy. So anyway, I'm jealous of you. That was my point. I think that'll be fun. Yeah. Like I, I kind of want it to be kind of cold, like not terrible. Cause I'm going to be there in the right. other. So I don't want it to be like, like I, I went to a, 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 a quarterfinal game um, two weeks ago. And I mean, I was standing next to the heaters on the sideline when players weren't around it, trying to stay warm. Cause it was like, <laughs> 24 my feet were i couldn't even feel my toes oh Um, it's like bricks walking around yeah but yeah man like high school football when it is like 35 36 degrees that's right like i was thinking low 40s night game like that's good stuff right there. yeah it's tough to beat um all right next one the dr pepper big 12 title game kansas state tcu the horn frogs still undefeated um they uh they Made quick work of Iowa State last week. Threw up sixty-two. Uh, I, I mean, just demolished the clones. Um, I think this one's going to be close, and I think TCU wins it. But just TCU, outside of last week, they seem to kind of play with their food a little bit. I think Iowa State was just bad, but I mean, they one-point win against Baylor, seven-point win against Texas. Um, 10-point win against Texas Tech, 10-point win against West Virginia in the last five weeks. I think they're just a better football team than K-State, um, but Chris Kleiman can can coach them up up there in Manhattan, and um, I think this one's going to be close. I like TCU to win by maybe, I don't know, six or seven here. Um, I think TCU runs the table, gets into the playoff, and um, they're going to be a tough matchup for somebody. Yeah, I think TCU wins this game. At this point, you know, it's – we keep trying to poke holes in TCU's resume and certainly some of their wins aren't overly impressive, but their wins at the end of the day, they, they keep winning. And so I, I don't see why that would stop. I, you know, I really haven't K state is having one of those years. I haven't really paid that much attention to them. And then you kind of look up and it's like, well, they're pretty good. I mean, they lost by a touchdown to Texas. They lost by 10 to TCU earlier in the year, but that game was at TCU. They lost to Tulane by a touchdown. They beat Oklahoma State 48 to nothing. <laughs> and that Baylor might have been the shocker of the to, year. Right. And they beat Baylor 31 to 3 at Baylor. That's a good like Baylor, not a bad football team, but that's a, no, that's yeah. a nice win. So I don't know. I think TCU gets it done, but but K-State, I think, is is on the rise. The total here is 62. I like the under in this one. I kind of do too. That if if it's that high, I think it's going to be something like 30 to 23. I mean, we keep throwing that number out a lot, but that's what it feels like. 62 feels like a lot. All right. um, 
we'll, we'll touch on it here because we talked about it earlier. Coastal at Troy, 2.30 ESPN on Saturday. Troy giving Coastal eight and a half. Um, I probably was going to roll with uh, with the shots here, but man, they got just absolutely blasted last week by JMU. Um, I still give them a shot here just because Grayson McCall is still there. He's had a phenomenal career up there in uh, Conway. I think Troy is just the better football program at this point, just the better team. And I like Troy. It's at home. So that place will be rocking. I think that uh, John Summerall and the Trojans get it done. Um, I don't know if the I think Coastal covers, but I think Troy wins the game. Yeah, I'll be real honest. Like, I haven't watched Coastal much this year. I've watched Troy a couple times, and I really like him. So nine-game nine winning streak, I, I like Troy in this too. Um, I just like looking at the standings of that. They have done a such – such a good job of creating like a triple a sec conference you know what i mean like yeah great local rivalries they really have. good games every week like that's a really strong mid-level conference i hope i hope they get to keep it together you know all this realignment stuff like that like i i understand why teams are doing it i'm not but you know i i think it's good for college football to have a really good mid-major southern conference you know what mm-hmm. i mean and i think right now you know you added southern miss you got marshall in there you took some of the the better teams i think you made wise choices with who you had picked and i that's just a really cool league i i, I think it's a yeah good place other games are a lot of fun um yeah no no doubt about it uh all right let's get to the big one saturday 3 p.m central sec title game in atlanta lsu georgia I I don't even think this is because of their loss to AM. I was leaning Georgia big time on this one anyway. I just think it's a bad matchup for LSU. I think they're going to just get after Jaden Daniels and create havoc. And I mean, Jaden Daniels at this point is the leading rusher for LSU. That does not bode well going up against Georgia. They don't have a run game to really lean on to help him out. And I Look, I people made jokes about Stetson Bennett a year ago, and, and I was one of them. But, I mean, the dude has just been tremendous for them. Over 3,000 yards. He's just been rock solid. Yeah. He's a rock solid, good college quarterback. Over 3,000 yards passing. I think he's incredibly underrated as an athlete and as a dual threat. And I, 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 I think the matchup of Harold Perkins trying to contain him is going to be one to watch. I just think that it's just going to be too much, uh, too much Kenny McIntosh, too much Brock Bowers. The Georgia defense is going to be just really getting after it. I mean, I think this is going to be a house of horrors for LSU. It's in Atlanta. LSU is going to travel well anyway, but I mean, it's essentially a home game for Georgia. They're trying to go back to back. They're trying to go perfect um, getting into the college football playoff. I like Georgia here. The number is 17 and a half. I don't know if I'm laying them, but I think Georgia wins comfortably. Yeah, I think Georgia wins. I think whatever, you know, LSU obviously kind of had some magic going on there for a few weeks. I think that is now poof, disappeared. Um, And I I still think LSU, you know, Brian Kelly's done a remarkable job. That's not discounting what I just, I just think Georgia is one of the very few, maybe the only sort of bulletproof team in the nation as far as 
you know, letdowns go. I mean, they might lose at some point, but that's just because they'll play a really good team in the playoffs. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think, you know, that 17 line is, is a really good one. Cause I don't know which way to go either, but I think Georgia, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Georgia won by three touchdowns, like 42. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you there. Um, AAC UCF Tulane. Um, lot of off the field stuff clouding Tulane as they head into this title game. They're 10 and two trying to win 11 games for the first time. And I don't know how long um, I like UCF in this one. Uh, they beat them earlier in the regular season um, at Tulane. And this one's going to be at Yulman stadium. I like the Knights here. I think Gus Malzahn gets UCF to 10 wins and um, yeah, I'm I'm going for the upset here. I like uh, I like UCF. Yeah, I do too. Doesn't Tulane have a situation where coach is leaving? Yeah, um, I believe. Am I, am I, Fritz am I making is... that? I thought Willie Fritz got hired by somebody. Did he already get hired? Or maybe <laughs> there's been maybe. so much. I've just seen Willie <laughs> Fritz's name several times. Sorry, Willie. I didn't mean to give you a new job. Oh, I, well, he he did that's the, the one. Yeah, he's. I believe he's going to Georgia Tech. He did the Lane Kiffin thing where I, I, it was earlier today. Somebody asked if he intends to be the Tulane head coach next year, and he says, yes, I do. Um, but, yeah, I think he's headed for the flats, and he's going to be the Yellow Jackets head coach next year. Yeah. He's a good football coach. So, anyway, but, yeah, I, I think that UCF, I think when you count in all that kind of off-the-field drama with the coaching situation, it, it, I think UCF's pretty good. So, we'll go that direction. Yeah. All right. Um, lightning round here. Fresno State, Boise State in the Mountain West one. Who do you got in this one? Oh, my gosh. You're, you're getting hardcore on me now. Um, I'm going another Boise upset. I'm, I'm going Fresno. I'm going Fresno, too. I think the death of Boise State has been greatly exaggerated a little bit. But uh, Yeah, they're still yeah, good. Fresno. Fresno. I like Jake, I like Jake Hayner. Um Dude's a warrior at quarterback for Fresno. I like the uh, the Bulldogs to get the upset here. Um, all right, more wacky stuff. Lightning round. Toledo, Ohio in the MAC championship. I'm going. I'm, <laughs> you're, I'm going you're, another you're one. I'm going, I'm going Toledo. I'm going with the Rockets. Jason Campbell, baby. Then then I'm on the train. Toledo. Okay. All right. Last two here before we close up shop. Big Ten championship game per two against Michigan. Uh, I mean, this was just a matter of, you know, kind of the, uh, the short, somebody the, has to the, play the short straw. Um, right. Yeah. Michigan whipped Ohio state. I don't think anyone saw that coming. I certainly didn't. Um, I'm laying the points here. I think Michigan completely dominates this one at Lucas oil. I, I produce fine. They're eight and four. Um, I think that Aiden, Aiden O'Connell's a decent quarterback. I love, uh, Charlie Jones, um, or as, uh, Gus Johnson calls him Chuck sizzle. Um, <laughs> he's 97 catches this year for almost 1200 yards and 12 touchdowns for Chuck sizzle, the former Iowa receiver. Um, yeah, Michigan big in this one. Yeah, I don't, what's the line? I'm just curious. Uh, it is, I believe 17 and a half, 16 and a half. 
That's it. Yeah. Man, man, I like Michigan on that one then. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just think, you know, Purdue, I'm looking at, you know, they've, you know, they've hung in there. They've been the best of the, you know, but they lost 24 to three to Iowa a few yeah. weeks ago. So I'm, I'm just not giving them a lot of, a lot of hope, but if you're Purdue, I mean, you know, it's a chance, you know, we'll, you're definitely playing with house money at this point. So, but I, I still think Michigan wins that pretty yeah. handily. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 42 to 14, 42 to 10. Yeah. All right. Last one here. Um, I believe new sponsorship for this one at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte in the Queen City, the Subway ACC title game. Um, Clemson, North Carolina. I'm going upset again here. I like North Carolina. Clemson has to be picking themselves off the mat after losing to South Carolina. There's all kinds of heat on Dabo Sweeney for the lack of a passing game. DJ Uyunglele has not been good. Um, Will Shipley was banged up in that game. He played a lot early and then they didn't really play him much towards the end. Maybe this is a last ditch effort for Drake may to make a case for him to, to be considered in the Heisman. The dude has been incredible, almost 4,000 passing yards, 35 touchdowns. Maybe he has a big game and Josh downs helps him out and they, uh, they get him to New York, but I like North Carolina in this one. I think they're going to play spoiler and, Dabo's gonna be uh gonna be catching some heat for going ten and three and finishing eight no in the conference. That's pretty hard to believe. But actually I feel like I you know, I was looking, I want to go North Carolina for the same reasons that you talked about, but you know, North Carolina's lost two in a row too, uh, to Georgia Tech, to NC State. Um I, I feel like Clemson, I, I think Dabo gets them off for this one. I think they win the game. But uh, if, but if I think was... it's going to be – it wouldn't shock me if North Carolina won at all. Yeah. I mean, this is – I think this has a chance of all the games. I, I think that might – other than USC-Utah, which I think is going to be absolutely awesome. I think that might yeah. be the second-best game on the slate because I think Georgia's going to handle LSU. TCU-Kansas State I think will be relatively close but won't be that exciting. I think Clemson-North Carolina will be a really good game and – something crazy is going to happen at the end. I think that's a good game. Yeah. A lot of heat on Clemson. Uh, not just, yeah, for, it, not just losing to South Carolina. Cause you know, there, there's going to be some gripes when you don't make the college football playoff just because they've set that standard. But if you beat South Carolina, no one, you know, okay. All right. Like we'll get them next year, but losing right. your rivalry game and not going to the playoff, um, you know, whether that's realistic or, or foolish to have that expectation every year now, but, um, yeah, I don't know. If this was still a Brent Venables defense, I would go Clemson all the way. But they have had some big-time glaring question marks and, and holes on that defense. And I know that they've had to replace a lot, and they've had some injuries. But um, I don't know. This is, Hey, Phil Longo on the big stage, primetime. He's going to have his shot. Phil Longo, man. He's a survivor. I always felt bad for him. I always thought he kind of turned into a scapegoat at old mess. I'm not saying oh, he did a great yeah. job, but he had to fall he, uh, on the sword for Hugh Freeze yeah, for sure. Right, exactly. But he's a good football coach, and I'm glad to see he's he's recovered. Yeah, speaking of Hugh Freeze, I do have one. I was thinking about this story because it actually happened on Auburn Leak. And this is the stuff that I'm talking about. When I when I talk about sweating the small stuff, when I talk about brush fires that pop up as a college football coach. This is kind of an obscure story, but you probably remember it. Okay. 
This is 2015-16. One of the years that Ole Miss was really good, it was before Hugh Freeze Mm -hmm. was in hot water. They're playing Auburn, and you remember they had like 30 or 40 players go to a plane. And Mm -hmm. there was some situation, I can't remember exactly, but apparently somebody said something that was somebody said something that was right was anti-gay or like just not the there there was something there was some cat calling some jeering and they got called out on it and there was a lot of he said she you know it was sort of a you know telephone type thing but anyway this was a brush fire this is what i'm talking about stuff like this happens it shouldn't have been that that big of a deal at some point you know ap wanted me to write up you know just a little something about what was going on up there and so you know i text you know hugh and i'm just like hey i you know i i'm sorry to bug you but heard about this thing with the players like what are is anybody suspended just like let me know what's going on i just want to know and you know he responded, you know, and I'm not going to get into like every little word that was said back and forth, but he's he's basically freaking out about it. You know, he's just like, ah, this is, I'm trying to concentrate on Auburn, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I, I get it, but he, you know what I mean? He, the thing yeah. blew up and it was a two day fiasco that really should have been like, if I had been Hugh Freeze and, and I appreciated him getting back with me, obviously, and everything, but that's just stuff that you take care of and you move on. You know what I mean? That shouldn't have been that, but mm-hmm. instead it turned into this two day brush fire and you know, like that's the some... thing that you have to do. And and Kiffin's done a nice job of doing it in his short time at Ole Miss because he learned from Nick Saban. That's the thing that you just have to immediately nip in the bud with the media and just say, we're handling it internally and that's it. Right. And you, and you can, don't and leave it up for speculation and, and rumors flaunt. You just, we know what happened. We're handling it internally. And then you just, that's right. It. And the media, no, yeah, the media is going to chirp about it. And there's going to be people that, you know, still rip on your program and say you're not doing enough. But let's be real. Like, you could do anything and it still might not be enough. You know what I mean? Like, there's always going to be haters out there. You can't please everybody. And I guess that is sort of what I'm getting at with Hugh Freeze. Like, you can't please everybody. You just can't. Right. And, you know, and he'll say that, you know, like, I think Hugh logically knows that. But it it really bothers him when national yep. media types rip yep. on the program. And, you know, just Twitter barbs, you know, the stuff we've gotten used to over 10 or 12 years, just the pot shots. And some of them are fair. Some of them are not. Some of them are coming from people who are morons. Some of them are good criticism. But who cares? You're the coach of Auburn. They're the media. You know what I mean? Like, just yep. let them talk for a couple of days. We're handling it internally. I couldn't give a crap less what you guys think about it. That's all that needs to be done. And, you know, I, I think that I, – and I, I, I'm just interested to see if Hugh Freeze could do that now. And, and that, again, that's a small story, but I thought it was one of the more telling – the strengths and weaknesses of Hugh Freeze were on display there, and that was one of the bigger weaknesses. Yeah. <sighs> so we, but anyway, I'm looking forward to it, man. <laughs> Talking in the same division, we've got Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach, Brian Kelly, Nick Saban, Hugh Freeze, Sam Pittman, Jimbo Fisher. Like that's awesome. That's good yeah. Stuff. I, I, Ben Woodhouse, uh, you know, friend of the program, co-host of uh, Hit That Line, um, said this uh, yesterday. 
where I can't remember who did it, but it was like, what would be the coach's jobs if they weren't a coach? And so in the SEC West now, you have a car salesman, a mega church pastor, a barbecue competition cook, a school superintendent, a sociology professor, a pharmaceutical sales rep, and a sheriff deputy. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who goes where. So in this... Most of it, them are pretty obvious. Like the sociology yeah. professor has got to be Mike Leach. It is Mike Leach. Yeah, car salesman's right. Nick Saban. The mega barbecue church. guy is, is Sam Pittman. Yes. Let's see, if you, let's, let's, see, let's see if you can That's get That's even a great name, like Pittman for, okay, what's what's the next one? Uh, mega church pastor. I mean, that's Hugh Freeze. Yeah, okay. School superintendent. Nick Saban. Nope. Or possibly Brian Kelly. It is Brian Kelly. Uh, yeah. car, car salesman. Car salesman. That's or I guess maybe... Maybe a hint here would be a the owner of a dealership. Lane Kiffin? <laughs> no, because he is the owner of a, or I guess he, uh, maybe he bought it. I don't know. He a Mercedes dealership. Uh, Nick Saban is the car salesman. Oh, that okay. That makes a little more sense. And then about that. the last two are pharmaceutical sales rep and sheriff deputy. Well, Lane Kevin's not a sheriff's deputy, so it's got to be a, a pharmacist. <laughs> yes. And I can actually, that's a good fit for him because I can see him whining and dining doctors. I knew when yep. I lived in Jackson, Tennessee, I lived next to a pharmaceutical sales rep. Tracy Brewer, shout out if you're listening to this, but he, what a great guy. And, uh, or actually, really, I think he sold medical equipment, but it's a great job. And it would be, I, for, yeah. he, was, he had some similar uh, traits to Lane Kevin. I could see that. I could see Lane Kevin squeezing every little bit out of that per diem each day well i yeah i can see him taking doctor because that was the coolest job because actually tracy my friend in in tennessee was he how i got to know him was he was the official scorer at the double a games the diamond jacks games oh, and so okay. he had he had time to do all that because he worked basically an hour a day he would drive he would drive to like hunting dinner mylan take the doctors out to lunch schmooze a little bit and then the rest of the day he'd go like he was a big guy. He'd go lift weights, and then he'd go do the. I was like, man, that's. I should have thought about that. That's a good yeah. idea. But but yeah, and then obviously Jimbo's the sheriff deputy because of course that and and that all makes sense. That all makes yeah. the only one that threw me a little was Nick Saban, but now with the backstory, I get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, those, um, that's good stuff. All right, yeah, the, the, the SEC West is is just going to – I mean, media days next year are just going to be a hoot. Um, I'll probably it try really to It really reminds me of kind of the Johnny Manziel type years. There was there was just a couple of years in the West about eight or nine years ago where it's like, who's going to lose? Somebody's got to lose. <laughs> so, you know, there's yeah, – there, there exactly. isn't – you know, because next year you look at that division, like everyone is going to expect their team to be good. Like no one is going to – you know, Jimbo has to be good next year. Brian Kelly has set a standard. Sam Pittman's supposed to bounce back. Lane Kiffin set a standard. Mike Leach, to a degree, has set a standard. Nick Saban is Nick Saban. I guess mm -hmm. Hugh Freeze gets a little bit of a first-year pass, but not really. Maybe a right, little. Yeah. But, I mean, that's going to be – somebody's losing a job after next year. <laughs> that's going to be ridiculous. Oh, man. Yeah. So, um, but that's going to do it. Championship week, daytime fireworks. David, this was uh we we went around the world on this one. This was fun. So yes, we well, did. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm all over the place, but it was fun. <laughs> no, this is what you do on championship week when when Ole Miss is not in it. So this is fun. We'll be back 
next week, recap the title games, look ahead to the college football playoff. I'm sure we'll do some speculation and um, try to see uh, who we think gets into the top four. But until then, thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. Thanks to the sponsors for making it possible. And, of course, thanks to David for joining. We'll do it next week, buddy. Sounds good.